Mark Batterson said, if you want to change your life, you have to change your words. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. At home, at work, and everywhere in between, we too often find ourselves trapped in self-defeating patterns of fear and frustration. But three small words have the power to transform our lives. Please, sorry, and thanks. Join us as we flesh out these words and see how they can change our lives and the lives of those around us. We hope you enjoy. Just all right. Good morning, church. All right. I'm Rob Denton, the lead pastor. Glad that I get to be here with you. Those of you that are online with us, uh, we're sorry that you can't be with us live, but we are so grateful that you're uh, with us. Let's give a shout out to those online. Amen. Yeah. So uh, I never thought I'd be saying that, right? But uh, welcome to 2023 technology. So um, this, uh, this week, uh, I was looking at the dates, you know, September 11th was pretty significant, obviously. Um, and then throughout the week, uh, I just kept thinking, man, this date is, these dates are sounding familiar. I, like whose birthday is it? Do you ever do that? Like, ah, there's someone's, or an anniversary, hopefully it's not my anniversary. You know, just those kind of those things were going through my head. And finally, uh, at the end of the week, I found like, oh, that's right. Um, tomorrow's September 18th. So seven years ago, I stood on the stage with our founding pastor, Pastor Glenn Kirby, and he handed me this. It's the baton, and it says, uh, baton ceremony, senior pastor, Glenn Kirby to Rob Denton, 918. So tomorrow will be seven years that um, I've been the lead pastor here at West Valley Christian Church. So yes, thank you. I, I hope that's a good thing. Um, so we've printed shirts that say, I survived Pastor Denton for uh, <laughs> uh, Eddie Santiago's having those printed at the moment right now. Good to see you. So um, I, I say that because um, I also spent this week with uh, four other pastors. And, and I don't know if I mentioned this enough, but God really blessed me. I'm a part of this group of five lead pastors, one's from Indiana, one's from Nebraska, one's from um, Chicago, and one's from Arizona. So we're kind of all over the place. We meet once a month on Zoom, and uh, each of us share what's going on in our life for 45 minutes. We've got four questions we answer, and we're really vulnerable with each other. And twice a year, we meet together, um, usually in each other's areas, and uh, they... I feel bad, but they told the Indiana guy, we're supposed to go to Indiana, but we want to go to California again. So um, <laughs> the beach and last time, the big bear this time. So um, anyways, I share all that because we talk a lot about transitions and that's kind of a hot topic amongst pastors now. Um, back in the day, in my opinion, Bible colleges would teach pastors kind of, you were the one man show, the, lane, the Lone Ranger approach, you know, they walk in, they open up the doors to the church, they fill up the baptistry, they, they turn on the, the lights, you know, they lead the music. It was kind of that kind of mentality. And so um, a lot of those guys are 70, 80 years old. And, you know, they may have given 30, 40, 50 years to their church and built a church for the Lord, but they they didn't plan for transition. And so we're hearing more and more about stories where transitions just aren't healthy. And either there is not a next person to fill the spot, or they didn't think about it, and the next person came in, and, and it just didn't work out well. Does that make sense? So I want you to know something, church, and, and you wouldn't know this unless you hear it. What God did at this church is huge. 
And I want you to know that, um, you know, I always say we stand on the shoulders of people, men and women, that you will never meet, that sacrifice literally work days, you know, at the church and digging and cleaning and painting and, and so many capital campaigns where hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars were given sacrificially by people that you'll never know so that we could be here today. 72,000 square foot of building, an amazing school, and I think a really good, healthy church. But what happened is, um, what I want you to know is this. What we realize is almost half of our congregation doesn't even know who Glenn Kirby is. Because almost half of our congregation is new. They did not know us before COVID. Is that weird to think? And so I want you to know that name. He and his wife sacrificed so much for our church. And they love our church so much. And literally, they watch this service every week. And I get something from Pastor Kirby every week. <laughs> An encouraging word. Um, but here's what I want to tell you. Because people all over the nation talk to me about this. Like the transition. Like we're known within the restoration movement about the transition. Because I worked here in October. I'll be here 35 years. So you imagine, you know, 28 years, I was associate pastor and worked alongside Pastor Kirby. Now, here, here's what you need to know. Outside of God, God is the given on why that worked well. But literally, it was Pastor Glenn and I's relationship that allowed for this transition to go so smoothly. And I'll give him more credit than, than myself. You see, Pastor Kirby was unique in the sense that he, he not only poured into me, but he, he was one of my biggest fans. And I hope vice versa that I was one of his. And so when it came to the transition, almost all of our friends in ministry said, don't hire Glenn. Because if you hire the founding pastor and keep him there and you're trying to be the new lead pastor, it just never works. And we smiled and we said, okay. And we did it anyways. Um, because of our relationship. And I love him, and he loves me. And that's why we were, and you guys know this. Those of you that know Pastor Kirby, he, he was a cheerleader for me, wasn't he? And he still is a cheerleader. And, and I hope to be the same for him. I think you need to know that. That's why I shared that. I think it needs to be heard. But I also am intentionally sharing this because I think it's interesting that I, I kind of remembered this. And we're starting a brand new series today. And the series is called, How Sweet the Sound. Please, thank you, I'm sorry. It's a relationship series. And I know this about you. All of you are in one. <laughs> That's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? All of us are in one, whether we want to be or not. You know, we've got the parent-child relationships, and we've got, the, the, we've got the, the, the work relationships, we've got the church relationships, maybe you're in a dating relationship, maybe you're in a marriage. I mean, relationships, that's what it's all about. So for three weeks, we're going to talk about, I think, three words that could help change relationships in a healthy way. Amen? Let's go. Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for blessing us with some amazing worship. Thank you for each person that's shown up here that made uh, you a priority. Uh, thank you for these purple chairs that we get to sit in. And most importantly, God, we thank you for your word, and we pray that it would penetrate our hearts, our minds, and most importantly, our lives. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, 
Amen. So let's just jump right into this. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to share three truths today. And so I know all of you take notes, right? And so um, we're going to take these notes. Uh, we're going to jump right into the scripture. If you do not have a Bible, um, the bookcases at the back, uh, they've got the communion elements on it, but they also have Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, grab one and consider a gift from West Valley Christian Church because we believe this is more important than this guy. We believe God's word is essential and he has something to say to us today. Amen? So taking notes, number one truth, relationships matter. Can you say that with me? Relationships matter. Let's say it again. Relationships matter. Some of you have already checked out. (laughs) You're like, no, relationships suck. (laughs) No, they're hard. No, I don't like people. Well, okay, that's fair. But relationships matter. They really do. And uh, if you've been around West Valley long enough, I've done a sermon on this, sermons on this, and I just want to highlight why I believe that that is true. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Genesis two eighteen. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. And all the women say, amen, because they'll catch something on fire, they'll get lost, they'll do damage to the world. It is not, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, where did that come from? Uh, All right, all right. (laughs) The Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. We were built for what? We're built for relationship. I will make a helper suitable for him. God did not design us to be alone. And then we've got the passage that this church, it's the core verse of our church or verses of our church. It's why we exist. And in a humble opinion, I honestly believe every church, this should be their core. This is what should be what drives them. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, let's say this together. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's pretty good, right? That, that's right out the gate. The number one commandment out of the 613 laws, it's to love God. And then he says, bonus, You didn't ask for this. And the second is like this. Love your neighbor, what? Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, all, what does all mean, church? All, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Like like above everything that's ever been said, everything that's been chiseled onto tablets, everything that's ever been preached, everything, the most most important things are love God and love people. And then just kind of right there, I'd have never heard a preacher say this, but I say it all the time because I believe it with all my heart and I could be 100% wrong, but I don't think so. I think that little last part is huge. I've always argued we can't love God and love others at our best if we don't what? Love ourselves In a healthy way, not in an arrogant, look at me, it's my world, you're living in it. But I, I... I wouldn't be exaggerating if I don't have this conversation almost every week with people. And the reason we struggle with loving God and the reason we struggle a lot of times with loving others is we don't love ourselves. 
We, we don't value ourselves. So if we don't value ourselves, we oftentimes don't value others. Does that make sense? You don't have to agree with it, but at least think about that. So relationships matter, and I could give you all kinds of verses, but let me give you another one. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. The Bible says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So it says one, one healthy thing we could do in our relationships, according to this verse, is do what? We can encourage each other, right? Uh, it was awesome. We held a, um, a conference yesterday for relationships. Uh, old book, but so practical. Five love languages. And I've heard a lot of good things from people that attended it. The five love languages, it, it identifies uh, what, what, what gets us going, like our language, what, what builds us up, what fills our cup. Like, is it touch, physical touch? Is it acts of service? Is it words of affirmation? Those are three of the five. Um, for me, I haven't taken that test in a long time, but words of affirmation definitely are um, definitely one of my love languages, you know? And so here, I, I love that verse, <laughs> you know? It says we need to what? need to encourage each other. Now, this is just one example of how we could build relationships. There's over 60, how many? 60, over 60 what they call one another commandments in the New Testament. Grieve with one another, mourn with one another, rejoice with one another, um, pray for one another, encourage one another. All these, these things that help us in relationship because God built us for a relationship. Does that make sense? And that's why my first truth is relationship matters. The Bible teaches us, especially the New Testament, on how to treat each other. But with all of this said, relationships, as good as they could be, they could be just as bad and hard, can't they? I, I don't want to ask, <laughs> raise your hand if you're in a hard relationship right now. <laughs> but honestly, I think if we're honest, most of us would. Raise our hand. Because as much as people could be amazing in our life, they could be just the opposite. But that doesn't mean we run from relationships. We just got to get better at it. So that's what this series is. And actually, it's based off of a book. I'm going to be honest. I haven't read this whole book, um, but it's by Mark Batterson, a pastor. And it's called um, Please, Sorry, Thanks. And what I love about it is at the very top, this is, this is what caught my eye when I saw this book the first time, the three words that change everything. That's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? Like out of all the words that are out there, please, sorry, and thank you. These three words can change relationship. And the more I got into it and the more I thought about it, I'm like, yes, but here's where, here's where Here's where I'm at. And I feel like I'm totally getting to be one of those old people now. And that's a good thing. Because the other option, anyways. Um, but I'm like, I remember back in the day, you know. Um, that wasn't a very good old person. Uh, anyways. But I do. I remember because this was, this was really taught. Uh, especially my stepmom hammered this. She really taught these words. Like, Robbie, you need to say please. Robbie, you need to say thank you. Robbie, you need to say I'm sorry. My personal opinion, I don't think that's being taught much anymore. 
Would you agree, disagree? And, you know, we could go, oh, come on, we're in 2023, man. You know, let's, let's, let's be with the... I, I think there's some things we need to hold on to. And I think please, thank you, and I'm sorry are so powerful, these words. Um, which, um, <laughs> let me lead you to the second truth. Words matter. Can you say that with me? Words matter. Let's say that again. Words matter. Do you believe that? Like, I think a lot of us do, but there's, there's people that really don't, it's like, ah, you know, I was just joking. Or, ah, I didn't mean to say that. Or, so what? Suck it up. You know, that kind of stuff. It's like, ah, I just, yeah. Well, I want to let you know that words matter. You see, our words could build healthy relationships and they could what? They could destroy healthy relationships. Everything could be going so good and you could have decades of history of good and then just one phrase, one phrase could erase it all. Words have the power to bless or to curse, to heal, or to hurt, to give life, or to cause death. Having walked in ministry for 35 years and walked on this earth for almost 55, um, I've seen this. I've lived it. What breaks my heart is for those of you that were raised in homes where doors were slammed and curse words were thrown and demeaning phrases were given on a daily basis. I don't get that. I never saw a door slammed and maybe I heard a cuss word here and there. But I wasn't torn down by my parents at all. So I don't get that. But I know it's real. I know it's real because I've talked with you. And um, I want to say I'm sorry that you had to see that. I'm sorry that you had to live that. I really, really, really am. But I want to tell you, it doesn't have to be that way. Right? You could break the trend. You could break the trend. But sometimes you don't even know you need to break it because you just think it's what's normal. Words are so powerful. And maybe, I'm just going to be vulnerable because um, words of affirmation are one of my love languages. Maybe they mean too much to me. <laughs> Is that fair for me to say? Like maybe, maybe words mean too much to me. So I want to throw that out there. Um, but I mean... You could say all the good things you want, but then if you throw in that one sentence, it'll ruin me. It'll ruin me. And I've had to work at getting tougher. That's why for five years I said no to Pastor Kirby for being a lead pastor, because I knew the arrows that would be shot at the top. And I didn't know if I was going to be strong enough. Words matter. Proverbs says in 18:21, the tongue has the power of life and what? Death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. 
Like, that's crazy, isn't it, church? This little tongue, this little muscle has the power of life and death. James tells us the tongue is a two-edged sword. It could curse God and it could praise God. It could, it could, it could praise man and, and curse man. You and I know that. We've all done it, haven't we? We're like, how could that come out of my mouth? <laughs> and I'm so glad that came out of my mouth, right? You're like, ah! And some of us, it's a, a challenge. Read, read, read um, definitely read James chapter 3 if, if, if the tongue is a, an issue for you. But I want you to know, like, when it says it has the power to give life and death, I want to share something that happened yesterday. And uh, I hope this makes sense to you. And again, remember, words mean a lot to me. So I, I help coach uh, Oaks um, Christian High School. That's where my son goes to high school. And uh, when he's not doing the baseball, he does um, two-man beach volleyball. It's a real sport. Matter of fact, there's 120 guys out there every Saturday at Will Rogers Westlake High School and um, Camriel High School and St. Francis and, I mean, Thousand Oaks. I mean, all these guys. It's awesome. 20 courts. So I'm helping the JV team, and Easton's on the JV team. So... Um, He's played a few matches. Uh, he's going to play this fourth match of the day. And then after that, he's excited because the varsity coaches asked him to fill in for the last match of the day. So he's fired up, right? I get to play one. So he's playing in this match. And I, I, I bounce around coaching different matches and I um, happen to be at Easton's. And um, he's in a collision at the net with, with the other team. And uh, so that guy goes down, he goes down. And I'm like, all right, you know, instant has like a very high pain threshold, you know, um, probably with a brother 14 years older. But um, he gets up eventually and he's serving. So he walks back and he gets the ball and he looks down and he goes, dad, and he drops the ball and he goes, I broke my tub. And I'm like, you know, like how many times have I kicked a table and a couch? Like that's normal, isn't it? No. Okay. Well, I do. So I feel like I've broken, you know, 500 toes, even though I only have 10. But so I'm like, I walk over and trying out the hold on the table. I walk over and his toe next to his big toe is at a 45 degree angle over the other two toes. And I just about lost it. And I'm like, yes, you did. Um, and so the, the coach is the, um, the head coach is a doc, the doctor for Oaks Christian. And he was over another car, Dr. Wong. And he comes over. I'm like, and he goes, oh. He looks down and he takes a hold of that thing and he just, and I'm like, and Easton screams. And like I said, Easton, he's got a high pain. Long story short, it goes straight and then it goes, and he's like, you should probably go get it checked. So we did yesterday and it's broken in two places. And so this morning, I haven't heard what's happened. They went to the orthopedic and they were going to, say surgery or not surgery or whatever. But here's what I want to tell you. Dr. Wong called me twice yesterday after the event. Dr. Wong texted me twice. Instead of being a coach that says, ah, oh, just suck it up, just get over it, you know, or just, you know, move on. He's got a hundred. He really showed a lot of concern and a lot of compassion and gave a lot of encouragement. And it filled my cup and it filled Easton's cup to know that his coach cared. I share that because our words matter. 
Our words matter. Relationships matter. Words matter. Which leads me to the last thing that I'd like to share. And that is, say please. (laughs) Say please. Nothing opens doors more than please. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a man here, but it's like, oh, I'm a man. No, I don't care if you're a man. I don't care if you're a woman. I don't care if you're old. I don't care if you're young. I think saying please is the right thing to do. For some reason, this world, this word is being used less and less. I did some, here's, let me give you some stats. Oxford English Dictionary has an estimated 171,476 words in use in the language, in the English language. And there are an estimated 47,000, how many? 47,156 words that are now obsolete. They've just kind of disappeared from being used. The average average adult, uh, the average adult English speaker uses around 20,000 words, while his passive vocabulary is around 40,000 words, according to Susie Dent, a language expert. And I read all that, and I'm like, God, like, literally, I feel like for whatever reason, and you take whatever the Holy Spirit is telling you with this message, but I felt so convicted, like, I want to do a sermon on please. That's weird. You know, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's not faith, it's not trust, it's not what is communion, what is worship, it's please. And I'm like, the sermon on please, but yes, I think it's really good for us to hear a sermon on please so it doesn't fall off the map, so it doesn't fall out of the vocabulary. And I want to explain why it's so powerful and important to say the word please. Please, if you look it up in the dictionary, here's the definition. It's a polite request. Now, here's what's funny. When I read that, I'm like, wait a second. I think another word that's fallen off the map is polite. So I might say a polite request, and most of us are like, what does that mean? Are you with me? Like, being polite, is that pushed? So I looked at the word polite. And the word polite, I love this. It means respectful and considerate. Respectful and considerate. I love Aaron that leads our worship. He's up here, and he's kind of got a, high, a whole ministry. It says, be kind, right? It, it, it's being respectful, isn't it? And it's being, it's being considerate. And when we're respectful, respectful and considerate, then we're loving God and we're loving others the way God wants us to. Because then we're placing value on other people. And honestly, a lot of the issues of our society today is we don't really give a rip about other people. We don't place a value on somebody else's life because it's my world and I'm living in it. And I'll live in it how I want to live in it. And I'll do my thing instead of what God wants us to do. And so all that to say, it wouldn't be a bad thing for us to start saying please again for those of us that haven't been challenged with that. When we use the word please, listen to this. When we use the word please, it immediately exudes a level of humility. So I'm at a restaurant, right? Here's an example. I'm at a restaurant. It's a waitress or a waiter. And they walk up and say, what would you like to drink? 
Or let's even go further and just say they just walk up. And I go, give me a Diet Coke. We'll give you a Diet Coke. Please? Could you get me a Diet Coke? You see the difference? One is a request and one is a demand. Just because of that simple word, please. Does that make sense? When we use the word please, it immediately exudes a level of humility, right? It exudes a level of humility when we say please because we put at least ourselves right there and we're not above that individual. And we're, we're saying you are a real human being. So could you, could you please move over a little bit? Could, could, you, could you please open the door? Could you please help me lift this box? Instead of, open the door, lift the box. Now, it, it doesn't sit well, does it? And yet some of you in your cultures, that's, that's normal. You just shoot out commands left and right without respect or value for anybody. Please is asking instead of demanding. Uh, my daughter-in-law uh, sits here in the service, first service, and um, I got to say this with her here. I've never said this to her because it's, it's recent, but I got, to, I got to tell the congregation and her, she's a good mom. My daughter-in-law is a good mom, and she's, she's, she's new. She's trying, you know, and as a grandparent, have you figured that out? You just got to be quiet, you know, because there's some things I would go, oh my gosh, you know, but, but, but those, are the, those are little things. The big things, she does a really good job, a really good job. So I was able to say that to her in front. But, and hopefully that's encouraging, right? Words with power. Because I could also say, my daughter-in-law is just awful. Like that would destroy, especially my daughter I mean, that would destroy her, right? So what's cool is Taylor, my granddaughter, is about two and a half years old. And um, so... Um, See, this didn't come across really well last service. Like, they, they booed me, but they didn't boo me. But, but let's just say Lisa talks. She likes to talk. That's my wife. She talks. Christina likes to talk. And so they talk, talk, talk. And guess what Taylor does? She talks. <laughs> and so she's, I, you know, proud grandma. She literally, her vocabulary is way advanced, and she'll do things. But... About three weeks ago, they usually come over after church. And uh, when I get home, uh, Taylor walked by me and she goes, please, Papa, chase me. Yeah. Like if we had, if we had Toys R Us, I'd be like, let's go to Toys R Us. You could have the whole store. <laughs> right? Like, and, and, and Christina's just done such a good job. Like my two-year-old says, please, all the time at the right time. I don't think it's ever too late for us to learn the word please. Just like some of us struggle with laughter like I told you and challenged you with a couple weeks ago, some of us need to add that word back to our vocabulary or learn it for the very first time. A little side note, and I could do a whole sermon on this. Make sure you're saying please with the right motive though. Are you with me? Um... 
See, this wasn't hard for me because I had two boys, but if I had a girl with big brown eyes, four years old, looking up at me as her daddy and say, Daddy, please, I want a doll, or Daddy, please, I want to play baseball, or whatever. I'd like, go, let's go. You know, those, I've seen dads with their daughter. I say this to some of your, your, you parents. I just go, I don't, I say to the, I don't know how you ever say no to those eyes, you know? <laughs> but, you know, and then, then you grow up and you start working those eyes when you're 14, 15, and 16 with daddy and some of those relationships. Like, daddy, please, you know? But all joking aside, don't we do that sometimes? We'll, we'll kind of use please as a manipulation tool. And we're not being genuine with it. So we got to be careful uh, that we're just genuine. Philippians chapter 2 says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, any common sharing in his spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Now check this out. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but also... To the interest of what? Others. Please is a way to live out this verse. Considering others better than yourself. Continue to say please if you're using that. Introduce it back into your vocabulary if you've forgotten it. Or start doing it if you never have. That would be my encouragement. I did a little side word study I was shocked at how many times the word please is actually in the Bible. And it's funny. It's not pleasing God. That's a whole different topic. But just the word please. You know, Abraham, Abraham said please a lot, especially in his prayers to God. He would say, please, Lord, help me with da, da, da. Or please take this away from me. And do you know that God uses the word please in talking to his people? You will see him. And specifically, one situation I remember this week where he said to, to Abraham, please, dot, dot, dot. God is not asking us to do something that he himself didn't do. He has a love and a respect and a consideration for us as human beings. So I close with this. Use the word please in relationships with each other. And I challenge you to use the word please in your conversations with God. Father in heaven, thank you. Whatever's true, help us to hold on to it. Whatever I've shared that's a bunch of baloney, just let it go to the wayside. God, help us to do a better job of being respectful and considerate of others by just simply saying, please. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Your mercies and your love that you've always shown me. You forget all my rebellion.